Now, the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art. Are you ready? Yes. No, babe, are you ready? Do you know what a cassette is? Play it. Don't you want to hear what's next? I don't hear any music. I made that tape special for today. So, music? A show where we basically create a mixtape for you, like we did in the 90s. I just, I thought this tape was going to be a conversation stimulator. Cassette, cassette, cassette. Welcome to the mixtape. Every week we are serving up an hour-long mixtape. 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 90.3 KRNU, welcome to the mixtape, part of our summer mega mix. We're doing covers every week, and this week I am with my husband, Dan because he lives here, and I'm going to make him do this. Yay! Here I am. But I'm very excited about the covers this week. You chose them all. I did, yep. Very much with me in mind, because I love the 80s. That's right. An audience of at least you. Yay! I was going to say an audience of one, but I didn't want to sell us too short there. Sure. But, uh, (laughs) like, let's go with it. This is 80s covers. Very exciting. So it will be all songs from the 80s, made popular in the 80s, covered more recently by contemporary artists. And we're going to kick off the 80s covers mixtape with a great band covering another great band, Muse, covering Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf. Indeed. So, Muse are an English rock band. They formed in 1994. They're kind of in that um, post-grunge thing, but a very British yeah. sensibility. Yeah, and not like in a Oasis kind of way. I feel like they'd really sneer at Oasis. I don't think there's a lot of common ground there. Right, more in common with uh, bands like Interpol, yeah. She Wants Revenge, mm-hmm. or even Placebo. A uh, little bit of punk rock, a little bit of space rock. Yeah, exactly. A little Le- bit of a, glam. A very modern aesthetic, I think. I would say rather than a, where a band like Oasis called Back to the Beatles almost shamelessly, you know, Muse is probably digging into the Bowie catalog a little bit more. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Duran Duran is also a British band, but of course they were uh, a little bit older. They formed in Birmingham in 1978, kind of part of this second British invasion in the 80s, where we had all of these bands um, kind of doing all of these new wave type of things. So we have Nick Rhodes, John Taylor, Simon Le Bon, which is French for... The Bond, Mm -hmm. um, and Roger Taylor. And the band is just pretty great. They were all over MTV. Hungry Like the Wolf was a huge hit for them, along with Rio off the album Rio. For me, it just sounds like the 80s. I mean, when I hear Hungry Like the Wolf, I'm like, that's the 80s. It sounds like it. And Muse does a really nice, uh, I mean, it's a pretty faithful cover, but I think it puts like a real current take on it, like updated guitar sounds and kind of the electronic tinges that Muse uses. I think it's a really great cover and I like the uh, flavor they add to it, but it still feels like the 80s. For a song like this, it's actually taking itself pretty seriously. Yeah. And typically, mm-hmm. I would find that very annoying on a song that's a little silly. like <laughs> Hungry, Hungry like, like the Wolf. Hungry Like the Wolf. So let's do it. Uh, this is Hungry Like the Wolf. It's Muse covering Duran Duran on the 80s cover mixtape on 90.3 KRNU. <laughs> Behind 
90.3 KRNU back to the 80s mixtape part of our summer covers mega mix so all of these are cover songs of 80s hits that one was from Franz Ferdinand covering Blondie's Call Me. Franz Ferdinand is from Scotland they were formed in 2002. I always kind of thought they were British. They they felt British to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Scotland British. I mean, what? They're just a latitudinal d- difference there? A latitudinal difference. Yes, <laughs> just a bit of a latitudinal And maybe difference. a uh, reverence for Braveheart? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Mel Gibson kind of messed that up. For well, yeah. Day, Brave, Braveheart, you can't play back anymore. I Braveheart. <laughs> so, Franz Ferdinand, um, you would probably know that from Take Me Out. Yep. That was their big exactly. hit. But they were covering Blondie there. Blondie, of course, co-founded by Debbie Harry and Chris Stein. They are primarily a punk band new wave pretty operational in the late 70s and early 80s now call me came out in the 80s is that correct yeah Mm -hmm. auto american is the album that that came off of released in 1980 all right that's the same one with the tide is high Mm, yeah which is interesting isn't it that Mm -hmm. call me and the tide is high and all of its reggae-ness are on the same album and that's the thing you know about that time and blondie and so many other groups that was really when bands started just taking whatever piece of music they wanted and started like hey i like this i like this and i think when artists really started jumping genres you started to see that in the early 80s a lot well it makes sense with blondie being in new york city Mm -hmm. you're at the epicenter of hip-hop you've got this total melting pot of cultures and and that was such a wild time because you did have hip-hop exploding i mean i always think of you know the beastie boys in in that realm and obviously totally different acts but they too you know just started to say hey we like punk we like hardcore this hip-hop stuff is cool right you know we like rock and roll we like it all we've heard a lot of different music and you don't have to just like one thing so i love that so much and rapture with fab five freddy is on that record exactly too. so blondie was like you think you know blondie you don't know blondie you don't know blondie <laughs> and franz ferdinand is like you well, know franz ferdinand of. like right. you let's check it out one thing that i really like about modern takes on covers and some of my problems with music from the 60s is just that the technology to record it wasn't as good and certainly by the 80s they had a lot of you know they had figured out a lot of things but the way that Franz Ferdinand plays it just sounds so much bigger. You know, we've learned so much about recording and how to do it and how to make it sound really huge that sometimes I get a new appreciation for some of these songs hearing the way artists do it and record it today. It is funny how different it was when we toured Studio B, mm-hmm. how small those studios were and exactly. how, how different the mechanisms for recording and making an album, how different the process yeah, was. Exactly. So we're going to move to another absolute 80s banger, (laughs) and that is Toto's classic Africa. This song has been covered many times. I'm sure people are expecting us to play the Weezer version. You know what? People were expecting the Weezer version, but I'm coming in with the uh, Reliant K version of it. We were just talking about Toto the other day because they're just such a solid oh, band. Yeah. Toto were a bunch of studio musicians that mm-hmm. were in LA. They had played on a lot of different projects. So they're one of those bands that's just super tight, but you probably couldn't pick them out of a lineup. Right. Because none of the individual band members, there's yeah. no Simon Le bon. No. There's no like f- just famous teen beat. Right. 
Toto guy. Exactly. So it's just this amalgam of studio musicians and and they're all incredibly talented and they formed this band called Toto. And they had a bunch of hits. Hold the Line. Rosanna. Delightful. And then Africa. Reliant K is doing this cover. Tell me about Reliant K. So this is where my... uh you know, little youth group Christian band roots come out because Reliant K kind of came out from that circle of the uh, Christian punk bands, which I was really into when I was like 17 and didn't know how to talk to girls and things like that. So, <laughs> Reliant K helped you talk yeah, to girls? Well, they didn't really help, but, but Reliant K did this cover of Africa back in 2011, so many years before Weezer even touched it and frankly they did a much better job you can tell that they actually really worked on it really tried to make it sound good whereas weezer i think just went into the studio and banged it out in an afternoon not to take anything away from weezer because you know how i feel about weezer i do but uh reliant k i think they just they did a more thoughtful job and i i imagine just knowing uh what I know about them came from a really nice place for those young men. Oh, they're from Ohio, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Canton, Ohio. Canton, Ohio. A- and you know how I feel about all things Ohio. So. Dan likes Ohio. <laughs> he likes Christian post-punk. Exactly, that's he right. He likes Toto. <laughs> and he likes to take pretty gentle digs at Weezer because you love them. I do love them, but yes. you do have to make fun of them, too, because they're ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so let's do Reliant K's cover of Toto's Africa. This is the mixtape 80s covers on 90.3 KRNU. Frightened of this thing that I've become 
WKRNU, welcome back to the mixtape, the lovely Avril Lavigne covering Bad Reputation from the absolutely fantastic Joan Jett. Joan Jett started in The Runaways. We talked about The Runaways last week, actually, on our 90s covers, because L7 covered The Runaways. Um, but yeah, Joan Jett had her whole her whole solo career. She loves rock and roll, Dan. Yeah, she really does. Put another dime. <laughs> oh man, in the jukebox. That hurts. A you, dime? What what what's a touch tone now? A dollar twenty five to a get touch tone and and touch tune. That's what it is. Put a dollar twenty five in the touch tune, yeah, baby. And then it just puts it in in the queue somewhere. I think you have to pay like a whole three bucks to get it to play it next or something. Put three bucks in the touch tune, baby. <laughs> That's where we came out with We've that. lost so much as a culture. Joan Jett is great. People know Joan Jett. Um, Bad Reputation was the theme song for Freaks and Geeks. Yep. It's Fantastic. all over the place. It's a, it's a great song, and it's used often. Avril Lavigne covering it <laughs> seems obvious. Yeah. But almost a little too obvious. Well, you know, she's not concerned about her bad reputation that she got from wearing a necktie with tank tops. <laughs> She's got to do it anyway. I like that that's her bad reputation when she <laughs> was married to Chad Kroger. Well, that I feel like that came later. She was just like a bratty 16-year-old or whatever she was. Mm-hmm. Somebody bought her a guitar for her birthday. Obviously, I'm not going to listen to Avril Lavigne all the time. Ah, you but are too. But the, the thing about an artist like Avril Lavigne is that she probably did provide a gateway to maybe some better music. And by covering, you know, something like this, then, you know, those listeners might want to check out a Joan Jet. You got to give her credit, even though obviously she's not the most hardcore gal out there. That's not what she would have said at the time. (laughs) I think the gals from Kitty might have had a word if we're just talking about like hardcore Canadian ladies. Exactly. You know, she was a pop star. She made it big Mm -hmm. in sort of that 90s punk kind of area. You know, she has had a couple of high profile marriages. Derek Wibley from Sum 41. Uh, Chad Kroger once again. Exactly. She's divorced both of those people. Who could have seen it? It's on the market, fellas. What's the guy from uh, Seether doing? (laughs) But I agree with you in this. That whole jokey 90s, Blink-182, that whole scene didn't have a lot of room for girls. Yeah. It was all very bucket hat, dude central, making fun of girls. And I kind of like that she was like, "Hmm, I don't know, I can be here. Yeah, and that was something that kind of was pointed out to me recently. Uh, There was kind of a Memoriam of the Warped tour. I heard some female commentators point out like, you know, how dude centric the Warped Tour was and all those bands. And there was kind of a real vibe that made some women feel uncomfortable. And being a dude, guess what? I was oblivious to that. Blink-182 songs about genitalia and stuff. What's the problem? Right. Hilarious. Exactly. To everyone. Exactly. You didn't get it at the time. But now you get it and you look back and it probably was not that easy for somebody like Avril to navigate those waters. Right. And there were other artists that were trying to do a similar thing at the time. Fifi Dobson was another one, Canadian artist. But it was absolutely a boys club. So not to make fun too much of her marital choices. Not everybody can be married to you. I was going to say, it turns out there's just not that many good dudes to choose from. (laughs) You're going to end up with a Durst eventually. (laughs) So moving on, let's do another band that is probably pretty easy to poke some fun at and a song that is very easy to poke some fun at. Abracadabra by Steve Miller, Mm -hmm. covered by Sugar Ray. You know, how... It's like, how many jokes can you roll into one sentence? I say it again. It's Abracadabra, covered by 
Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. That's right. Okay. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> well, they're no Smash Mouth, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. So let's unpack Abracadabra. Yeah. Late Steve Miller. Yes. <laughs> Not late enough, though. <laughs> really an artistic choice by a man who who has some, you know, credible blues music. Then he's got a lot of good, like, just classic rock type stuff that people like. And then he's got Abracadabra. It, it stands alone. Well, it came out in 1982. Mm-hmm. Very weird time for music. Yes. Because we've transitioned from a kind of both classic rock and disco place mm-hmm. in the 70s to the 80s where everybody was experimenting with all of these different synthesizer sounds. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, Neil Young did trans and that was regrettable. Sugar Ray is covering yes. Abracadabra. And, and clearly they have to know it's a joke. The question I think for all of us is does Sugar Ray know they are a joke? Uh, no. <laughs> no. And you know and what? And maybe that's not fair to Sugar Ray. I don't think it is fair to Sugar Ray. I think they have some good songs. They definitely have some catchy songs. Yes. In the early 90s, if you were a rock band or an alternative yeah. band, you were very serious. And we all kind of got tired of that, and we entered this post-grunge area. More emotive kind of rock bands, like your Matchbox 20s, your Third Eye Blinds. Yes. Sugar Ray is not really doing anything different than other people hadn't done before. Yeah. But they got so huge and so popular. And Mark McGrath was so good looking. Right. He became this poster child for that kind of music. Look at those guys. You know, they're doing it wrong. Right. You know, they're not taking it seriously. They're not... They're not mad enough. Exactly. They're They're, not sad enough. They're bleaching their hair. But it's not punk rock. It's like vanity. Right. Exactly. Yeah. This style of music videos and the way radio worked at that time propelled bands that thought they were serious bands into a very teen beat in a way that like 311 and Sublime did not get caught in that net. Sugar Ray got caught in the net. Well, and I think Sublime had the benefit of Bradley Knoll dying. I mean, obviously not a benefit to Bradley Knoll and his family. Sure. Because I don't know how Sublime does in 1998. Yeah. They probably have to make a stupid video that looks ridiculous with big sunglasses and and shiny shirts and things like that. And then Bradley Knoll becomes a joke just like Mark McGrath. Gold marquees with stupid band names. Exactly. Yep. And once you get on like People Magazine, once my mom knows who you are, it's over, man. Yeah. Right? No. And then you cover Abracadabra and it's like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> it's fun to listen to and enjoy it. Here's Abracadabra, just Steve Miller's best song. And yep. I think we could all agree. By the 90s best band. By the 90s best band, Sugar Ray. It's the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
covers as part of our summer covers mega mix i am here with my husband dan and we are making fun of sugar ray so yeah we should, probably shouldn't do it for a whole nother break but you know we probably could yeah it's like a callback joke at this point <laughs> i'm sorry mark mcgrath he's all right you he's guys fine. he's doing he was on the mass singer the kids love him they had yeah. no idea who he was they didn't they were we had to show them sugar ray songs and our youtube history yeah. we have sugar ray yep, i've googled sugar ray fly <laughs> I looked, oh, it, me, oh I looked it up because I wanted to watch the video. It's so bright. <laughs> it's so overexposed. Okay. okay. Anyway. Stop with the sugar stop ray. Stop with here. the sugar ray, says everyone. <laughs> that was Cruel Summer, covered by Evanescence, originally by Bananarama. Bananarama was part of the second 
British Invasion club music. It was the kind mm-hmm. of thing that people were listening to in the clubs. A lot of those bands were British, so that's who Bananarama was, and they've they've had a bunch of different hits. Um, they covered Shocking Blue's Venus. Oh, I Heard a Rumor. That was a later one from Bananarama. Mm-hmm. Evanescence, on the other hand, is a very different situation, and it's kind of a weird cover coming from a band like Evanescence. They are more known for being kind of moody, and they're from Arkansas. Oh, wow. You know that. I did not know that. Yeah. So Amy Lee and Ben Moody, but they're very piano-based, and mm-hmm. uh, she's like goth Tori Amos. Yeah, a little bit. I get that. I, I think that there's... Something with a lot of those, and I'm sure you touched on this in your uh, metal cover show, but something where, you know, some heavier bands will take a song like A Cruel Summer, and which has a very light and airy feel to it, and when you apply a different take to it, then, you know, in a song like Cruel Summer, I feel like the word cruel stands out a lot more. Like, it's a cruel summer. Exactly. What next? How about Against All Odds? Oh, man. Is Against All Odds Phil Collins' best song? Man, I don't know. I mean, I'm the wrong one to ask because I love Phil Collins. He is fantastic. Now, I know he's done some regrettable music. You know, not everything is pure gold, but the guy... Not everything is the Tarzan soundtrack. He's done so much incredible music. And Against All Odds, yes, it probably is his best song. It's so well written. I love this version of it that the postal service does there's parts of it that i think feel so fragile and that's one thing that you know the phil collins version doesn't really capture is the fragility of some of the lyrics but certainly ben gibbard has a way to capture fragility in almost everything he does so well and against all odds the phil collins jam is from the movie against all odds the 1984 movie and so making the song for the movie certainly would make you take into consideration the plot of the movie in your delivery right yeah whereas when you're the postal service you can interpret the song as the song instead of the song through the lens of the movie sure yeah that's true and and we do have to take a second to talk about the postal service because even though Ben Gibbard is in the Postal mm-hmm. Service, it is not Death Cab. No, definitely not. The Postal Service is from Seattle, like Death Cab, but it's kind of a super group because Jenny Lewis is in the Postal Service too, right? And, and there's a there's some sort of DJ or producer in there yeah. as well. Jimmy Tamborello. Okay. They were doing something really cool. You know, one thing with electronic music that I think took a while to catch on was getting that human element to it. And I think the Postal Service does such a good job with that. Yeah, I agree. They were signed to Sub Pop, which I I think you got when I said Seattle. Sure. Seattle Indie Mm -hmm. Supergroup Sub Pop. So here's the Postal Service. It's Against All Odds, originally by Phil Collins on the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
This week, I'm sitting here talking about bands and stuff with my husband, Dan. Which Heck is yeah. This is what we'd be doing anyway. We it just is. plug the microphone in. You're welcome. <laughs> so that one um, was also from a movie. We, we listened to the Phil Collins uh, cover done by the Postal Service from the movie Against All Odds. And then that one by Not A Surf was also from a movie. Uh-huh. From Pretty in Pink. This song by Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, real mouthful of a name. My lord. Um, they actually wrote right at the end of the movie, they had done test screenings. John Hughes, of course. Um, they had done test screenings for the movie Pretty in Pink, and the uh, audience reactions weren't what they wanted. They wanted something to really tie the movie together and drive it home and that's what the song is it was written specifically for the movie and it was written like 60 days before it was supposed to come out so it was kind of like thrown together right at the end and and put in when they tested it again people loved it it just needed that song Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, OMD, they formed <laughs> in 78 and they are an English band as well so you know, a lot of electronic stuff, electronic pioneers, but you don't really think of them as much as you think of somebody like New Order, for example. Yeah. And once again, naming your band is so important because that, that name ain't going to stick with me. They were on Factory Records. Like, there you go. Factory Records was doing it, man. Mm-hmm. If you can't make it on Factory Records, you have a weird band. Name. Right. What exactly. Are you doing? And I think also uh, a, a recent example, Manchester Orchestra is never going to work for me. <laughs> Airborne Toxic event. Like, stop it. Talk to me about Not A Surf. You were the only person at the time, the mm-hmm. only person I knew who was really into Not A Surf. Yeah. I mean, I think most people probably were familiar with the single Popular because it had a great video on MTV and it was, you know, kind of sardonic and... Just that sneery 90s yeah, exactly. talk thing. Uh, uh. Yeah. So... I think people were familiar with Popular, but man, they are such a good band. That uh, album High Low was fantastic. They, they just really write good songs. I think they are a victim of the single. 
I think their band name's fine, by the oh, way. Oh, okay. Well, N- that's good. Not a Surf is a fine... How do you feel about Sugar Ray? <laughs> it's a fantastic band <laughs> Great name. Great band name. <laughs> Out of all those bands, they did not overcome the big single curse. I mean, because you had, you know, Beck had to overcome Loser. Mm-hmm. You know, are we a joke? Am I Beck? Well, he's Beck. He's Beck. He overcame it. Not a Surf didn't... But fortunately for them, they've managed to stay together. They're still playing. They're still recording music. This cover was actually recorded for uh, the early 2000s series, The O.C. All right. So it was on the O.C. soundtrack. You know, they're just a good band and I enjoy them and I'm really happy for them. Time to get into two titans of music. Dwight Yoakam covering The Clash, Train in Vain. Yes. What? Yeah. It's happening to you. Train in Vain, if I remember correctly, is on London Calling. I believe so. London Calling came out in 1980, I think. Mm-hmm. And Train in Vain, it's it's perfect clash because it's punk, but it's so melodic. Yes. In a way that just other punk bands don't really right, do. No. But the clash is so great about it. Exactly. Tell me about Dwight Yoakam's cover of this. Yeah, you know... The first time I heard this cover of it was actually the first time I really got to hear the lyrics because the way the Clash sing it, you you lose a lot of the lyrics in there. That Just the way they perform it is awesome, but the lyrics don't really stand out. And I think what Dwight Yoakam did, which is so cool, is, man, it, it sounds like a very traditional country song. Dwight Yoakam, he got popular in the 80s, but he was an sure. older country star. Yeah. Songs like Fast As You, Guitars and Cadillacs, yep. Hillbilly, Hillbilly Music. music. Hillbilly yeah. Music. The, the cool thing about Dwight, I think, was, you know, even though he was able to kind of live in that Nashville world, I mean, that guy has always just been true blue honky-tonk country right like nudie suit exactly right you know he he's i don't think he probably owns a ball cap he just has a real serious (laughs) cowboy hat and my gosh i think he's been wearing the same pair of jeans since 1978 they are just painted on on. let's listen to dwight yoakam's cover of the clash train in vain this is the mixtape on 90.3 krnu Say he's standing by your man. Well, tell me something, cause I don't understand. You said you loved me, well, that's the fact. And you left me, I said you felt trapped. Well, there's some things you can't explain away. And that heartache is with me to this day. Did you stand by me? No, not at all. Did you stand by me? No way. All the time we were close. I remember all these things the most. I've seen my dreams come tumbling down. I can't be happy. Stand by me No, not at all
stand by me? No, not at all. Second best, put me to the test Things on your chest, you need to confess I will deliver, you know I'm a forgiver Reach out and touch faith Reach out and touch faith Your own personal Jesus Someone to hear your prayers Someone who cares Your own personal Jesus Someone to hear your prayers Someone to care Feeling unknown and you're all alone Flesh and bone by the telephone Lift up the receiver, I'll make you a believer I will deliver, you know I'm a forgiver Reach out and touch faith 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 Mixtape part of our summer covers mega mix. So Johnny Cash, 
obviously a very important country figure, a very important rock figure, just a very yeah. important musical yeah. figure. American figure. Yeah. I mean, and he's done so many covers. Yeah. So yeah. why this one? You know, for an 80s mixtape, there's not very many 80s bands that I think were more important than Depeche Mode. Yes. Love what he does with Personal Jesus. What's interesting to me is Depeche Mode's Your Own Personal Jesus has always kind of struck me as being about you deify somebody mm-hmm. to, to create this. But what's interesting about Johnny Cash, because he has such a solid, like, religious... He's he's recorded a ton oh, yeah. gospel records. of gospel records, mm-hmm. and he has such a clear religious background. This is about Jesus for yeah, him. Yeah, I, I think it probably is for him. And, and I'm sure he, he knows, you know, how Depeche Mode intended it, but he's going to sing it the way he does. And late in his career, I think he really found his voice interpreting other people's music and and there's so many tremendous johnny cash covers we did it yes we talked about johnny cash we did it we talked about sugar Ray. a lot way too much actually next week we'll have another covers mixtape for you thanks for listening